Welcome to the Victory Church Podcast. If you want more information about Victory Church Bendigo, contact us via our email info at victorycc.com.au or check out our social media pages in the description below. We hope you enjoy this message. Right. The reason why you don't know me is because I haven't been here. (laughs) Um, So in 1991, my husband and I... I've got a piece of fluff in my mouth, excuse me. In 1991, I was 25 years old, my husband was 31, and we had been youth pastors for six years in Brisbane, and like you said, my husband and a couple of other guys launched Youth Alive in Queensland in the 80s. And uh, in 1991, I was five months pregnant, this is just absolutely crazy, this, we uh, felt God speak to us and we moved to the other side of the world, and we went to plant a church in Sheffield, England, we knew nobody at all in England and we went with a hundred dollars a month support and I was five months pregnant when we left cray cray (laughs) and uh, I don't look like I have malnutrition so obviously God looked after us so we were the other side of the world and I'm just shaping all this because I need to shape the end to take you back to the beginning to tell my story today and one thing there is about my life is I'm a breakthrough agent that's what I do Um, I really minister in the power of God and for some of you today that have come through and you need breakthrough in your spirit or you need God to to whisper over your brokenness this morning, God's going to come in his power. Is anybody with me today? And he's going to give you breakthrough in your life. So so we went to England and um, we ended up, we were there for 29 and a half years and um, we ended up with 13 locations of our church Um, We had a church in Ghana in Africa, um, a church in Frankfurt in Germany, in Darmstadt in Germany. Um, That's one of my superpowers. I speak quite a bit of German. And um, we had a church in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia and then uh, nine locations in the UK. But something else that I did, um, and I have to shape this for you to take you into my story today. Um, Is it about 20 years ago, um, I'm seriously old, my son is 32, Um, (laughs) about 20 years ago I I started, God spoke into my spirit to start a charity and um, we we started with one home and one girl and uh, my heart was to love girls back to life, young women. And so this home was for girls coming off heroin, alcohol abuse, uh, life controlling issues all that sort of thing. And about two years into that process, uh, the South Yorkshire police approached me, not because I was naughty, but because they wanted to ask me to do something. Um, And they said, would I begin to take young women uh, that they were identifying as being trafficked, uh, trafficked for sex exploitation? And so way back then, we began to uh, take these young women. And that charity um, became so enormous Um, We were subcontracted to the British government and uh, we ended up with 170 staff and 14 homes across the UK. And in the last five years before we left, uh, we rescued over 5,000 victims of modern day slavery, men, women and children, and looked after them and secretly led them to Christ behind the backs of the British government. (laughs) But I had to share that story today so you can lean in um, to the life of this girl because I am not this morning what you think I am. And so I'm going to take you back this morning to the beginning because that's a very good place to start. I was born. 
Yes, I was, but I was not born in um, the way that you would like to be born. I was actually uh, born into a single mother's home in Brisbane, uh, given away at birth, never held in my mother's arms, completely unwanted and unloved, and um, was just there for three weeks in this home, completely unwanted. And I want to uh, start you with um, this amazing scripture in Genesis 41, and it's the story of Joseph. And he had gone through hell and abandonment and betrayal and insecurity and so many things. And he came to this place in his life in Genesis 41 where he said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And what's going to happen in many lives today is that things that you thought were going to hold you and would keep you captive your whole life, today God's going to release you from that and he's going to cause you to become fruitful in the very thing that you have suffered. And so I languished in this single mother's home in Brisbane for three weeks and just recently I found it and found the place that I was born. And three weeks in, this incredible couple walked into this single mother's home and two years before they had gone in and adopted my big brother Robert. And when Robert was born, he was fair-skinned and blue-eyed and um, blonde hair. And then they walked in two years later to adopt me and I was olive-skinned and brown-eyed and dark-haired. This is fake. And they actually turned around, my mum told me in my 20s, and they walked out because they didn't match my brother. And they got to the, the doorway of the single mother's home and mum said, the Holy Spirit arrested me. And we knew we had to adopt you, so we actually, we turned around and walked back in. And thus I became Jenny. Are you ready for my second name? Enid. So in scar tissue all my life. <laughs> I've become Jenny Enid Stewart. And this beautiful couple, Enid Dorothy and John Ernest Stewart, who are cheering us on from heaven today, um, adopted me into their home. And I had everything that a child could want. But there was a rejected little girl inside the spirit. I was so rejected and always felt so insecure and so inferior. And so I was the little girl that always thought somebody on the other side of the room was talking badly about me. My mum said she could never remember me ever having any other child home to play when I was a little girl. I just couldn't attach to anybody. And having worked now with many, many young women... I understand now that when you have a major rejection issue in your spirit, you can go off in one or two ways. And many young women will go off into addiction and, and to a life like that. And, and people who are in a life of an addiction are there because there's stuff going on in their spirit. They don't deserve judgment. They deserve us to wrap our arms around them. But I actually flicked the other way. And I can remember because I had such a hunger in my spirit for acceptance, such a hunger to be wanted and to feel like that I deserved a place in the world. And I remember making the decision when I was about 11 years old um, 
that the way I was going to find acceptance and, and that people wanted me was I was going to become good at everything. And so I became the girl that you love to hate. Um, so I was sent to Brisbane Girls Grammar School. You can tell. I'm seriously posh, aren't I? Um, but I became the ducks of Brisbane Girls Grammar. I was the prefect, the hockey captain, the house captain, the athletics captain. Um, I joke now that what I was actually doing was developing two artificial hips because I have two artificial hips now from too much running. Don't do that, eat cake. <laughs> Just permission granted. But I was, there was just this hunger in my spirit uh, to prove to people that, that I was worthwhile. A big rejection schism in my soul. And so long story uh, short, when I was 16, so two, two weeks after I finished grade 12, um, my beautiful dad, who used to stand in the, in the stadiums as I ran, because I was actually seriously good, by the way, um, as he used to stand in the stands and watch me, he suddenly just passed away two weeks after I finished grade 12. And I was meant to go and study economics. Glad I didn't. How boring. But... Uh, I deferred instead because I was such a broken young woman. I didn't have a friend in the world. And I, would, I decided that year when I was 16, 17, that if the love of God was real, I was going to find it. And I'd come home every night from work and I'd lock myself in my bedroom. And I'd cry out to God, not a friend in the world. And in that year, it became like I wanted to come home because like the Holy Spirit was waiting for me at the end of my bed. And I got to know Jesus so profoundly at 17. But you've got to understand this rejection and this issue was incredibly deep in me. And I ended up in youth ministry prophesying over your pastor. <laughs> Still incredibly rejected and alone and very much a loner in the world. Long story, my husband and I... I it's so funny, I went to Bible college when I was 18 and I said to God that I wasn't interested in young men while I was at Bible college because I was going to serve the Lord. And I met Dave the night I left. So he took me at my word. But we ended up, long story, the other side of the world, Sheffield, England. And my, my son was born, or he's now six foot two and uh, is an orchestrator, writes music for orchestras, and is currently um, orchestrating for Shout to the Lord for its 30th birthday release with an orchestra. But I end up and I say to God, God, do you know, perhaps the way to sort this rejection, I didn't want to hand it on to another generation. Perhaps the way to sort this rejection, to sort this schism in my soul, to sort all this issue out was to find my real family. And so way back then in the 90s in Queensland, they changed the law and I could get my original birth certificate. And so I rode off all the way from England and get this original birth certificate and discover my name is Kim Ann Salter. Just call me Kim. <laughs> And my birth mother's name was on there and there was no father on the birth certificate. But there's a birth, my birth mother's name and an address way out in the bush in Western Queensland, a cattle station. And so I ride off to this cattle station and of course they're handed down through the family and my uncle was still there. So three months later, I get a letter from my birth mum, Heather, who is five foot one. 
And I discover I have uh, four half-brothers and a half-sister. And uh, one of my brothers uh, played for the Wallabies, just quite an incredible family. And so we ride across the world for six months. Now, as I said to you, I'm believing that finding my mom and then eventually my dad would be the thing that would solve the issue in my spirit. So six months later, we, we fly back across the world and the day comes to meet my mum in, in the middle of Queen Street Mall in Brisbane. And so I got my mullet perm into a French plait for the day, 90s. It's, it's something Australia cannot get rid of, their um, association with mullets. <laughs> I can't even deal. And so I go in at Queen Street Mall to meet my mum. And I, I sit with her... <laughs> I needed a microscope to find her. <laughs> I sit with her and uh, show her photos of when I was born and she's weeping because she said, I was never allowed to hold you in my arms. And I, I've gone in to meet my mum thinking this whole new family thing will solve the issues in my spirit. And she says, Jen, I suppose you would like to know who your father is. Now, I'd lost my dad at 16 and I... I lacked fatherhood incredibly. And she leans across the table and she says, Jenny, I was gang raped and you're the baby. What do you do with that information? And I'd gone into meeting my family thinking that that would solve everything in my life and in that moment I felt more unwanted, more unloved, more dirty, more everything than I could ever have felt but God. And I want you to really lean in this morning as I go on from here because I began a journey in my life into purpose and God began a journey with me of extreme fatherhood, knowing my father in heaven. And God gave me my life verse, which is Jeremiah 1 verse 5. It says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I don't know how that's possible. But somehow or other, God had destiny written over the life of this little baby that was conceived in the most violent attack. But God knew about me from the beginning of time. And whatever you've gone through in life today, God has destiny written upon your forehead and purpose written upon your life. And he took me also to this scripture in Ezekiel. I'm going to read this passage to you this morning. And it's actually the most beautiful picture of the love of God. But it's the story of my life. And it's in Ezekiel 16. It says, On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you, rather you were thrown out into the open field, for on the day you were born you were despised. Then I passed by, and I saw you. 
God sees you today. He saw you. And I saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. And you grew and developed. And it says, later I passed by. And when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love, I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your naked body. I gave you a solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord, and you became mine. I bathed you with water and washed the blood from you and put ointments on you. And I clothed you with an embroidered dress and put fine sandals of leather on you. And I dressed you in fine linen and covered you with costly garments. I adorned you with jewelry. It's in the scripture. It's there. I adorned you with jewelry and I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. Because the splendor I have given has made your beauty perfect. Right at the beginning today, I said how Joseph went through so many troubles. And he came to a place where he realized that God was going to make him fruitful. Now I've lulled you into a false sense of security, church. You think I'm nice. I'm coming now. You ready? Your past can either be a container or a springboard. And I remember a meeting just like this when I was 28 years old. And God challenged me and he said, Jan, what are you going to do with your past? What are you going to do with your story? You can be contained by it for the rest of your life or you can choose to draw a line in the sand and say, Jesus, I want it to be a springboard to touch many lives. And there was a moment like many of you are going to have this morning when I made a choice to draw a line in the sand and say, God, would you come? God, would you breathe on me? God, would you take my story? And God promised me three things all those years ago, and I'm going to share with you them, them with you this morning. And the first thing he promised was this. He said, Jan, I'm going to give you divine forgetfulness, which is handy at 57. But I don't wake up in the morning saying or thinking, oh, I'm a baby of a gang rape. I wake up in the morning thinking, where's the coffee and when is my husband bringing it to me? (laughs) Because you can never completely forget the trauma that you've been through. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, your spirit forgets the pain of the trauma. And God can lift that thing off and off many lives he's going to lift it this morning. The Bible tells us our past is not a good place to linger. But let's be honest, Christians, we love a good linger. We love to build a campfire, get marshmallows out and sing Kumbaya over our pain. And Jesus is standing by the fire waiting to get a hold of our lives and stop us lingering around in consequence. We can spend our whole lives draped around something that's not meant to speak to your tomorrow. I warned you about me. It says in Isaiah 43, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Behold, I do a new thing. It's time for us to speak to our stories instead of our stories speaking to us in Jesus' name. The second thing God promised me. He said, Jen, I'm going to give you divine fruitfulness. Now, what happened all over England? 
in 14 homes and, and nine cities that every week many of the survivors that had gone through our program and then we repatriated them into community if they were allowed to stay in the UK and then we got them jobs and things. But every week many of the young mums would come in to our buildings and they would have drop-ins. Because what would happen with many of the women that were trafficked is they would get pregnant by gang rape and then they would, at eight and a half months, they'd be tossed out under the streets of England where the police would find them and would bring them to us. And our staff would sit and be birth partners to these beautiful women. But one week I walked into the foyer of our building in Sheffield and there were 35 prams. Now we could not promote or really publicize what we did because we were hiding people. You know, back in the day when you used to do things for Jesus without an Instagram page? <laughs> Just saying. And there were these 35 prams in the foyer of the building. And I had a moment. And I realized that those prams represented 35 babies of gang rape. And every one of those babies was me. Destiny written. God promises us divine fruitfulness. There's a scripture in John chapter 12 and it says, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Your story this morning is a seed that God wants to multiply. What you've been through today in your life is a seed that God wants to breathe upon and multiply in Jesus' name. He wants to make you fruitful in the land of your suffering. And the last thing God promised me, could we get the ban up from behind the shed, please? And the last thing God promised me, he said, Jen, I'm going to give you divine authority. Now, I could preach on the tabernacle, never have, never will, but if I did, broken people will be healed as I speak because God's given me an authority over brokenness. Joseph, the guy we've been talking about, he ended up second in charge in the very land in which he'd suffered. What authority does God want to impart into your life today? What does God anointing that God wants to place upon your life for the purpose of somebody else being released from their pain? There's a community out there today that is hurting. It needs you. It needs you to step out the, from the container of your experience into a springboard of launching to touch people's lives in Jesus' name. God has assigned me the anointing of a deliverer both physically and spiritually. Some of you today are going to be delivered out of stuff that's held you for a long time. I sound like Mother Teresa, so I'll just uh, debunk that myth for a second. <laughs> Remember I was um, in a meeting somewhere in Europe, not because that was posh, that's because where we lived. <laughs> and um, I was feeling really rejected because I have this default switch, it's my weakness. And I have to arm myself with the AK-47 of the Word of God and bring it out. Don't you dare, enemy. 
But I remember I was in this meeting and I was, I know I'm the only person here that ever does this. I was complaining to God. I was having a whining session. And I was saying to God, why did I have to be born this way? Like all my life having to deal with this. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, Jen, become what you were never given. He said, Jen, I want to make your shoulders so broad that people can stand on your shoulders and touch the heart of God. But there's even more to this story. I want you to begin to lean in right now because in a moment, God's going to move. Are you ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, God's going to touch you today. Four years ago, God's just in a a massive story of redemption. So four years ago, I wanted to, to find out why I was so tall. I wanted to find out who I was. And so I did Ancestry.com and discovered I'm Scandinavian, like Norwegian. But I got more than I bargained for. And I was matched with a brother from my father's side. So four years ago, I discovered who the rapist was, who has passed. I discovered I had six more brothers. You need a flow chart, people. And in the last three years, I've met four of them. Two weeks ago, one of them gave his heart to the Lord in a church in North Queensland. Because what God wants to give us beauty for ashes, but it's an even crazier story. Ten years ago, I was sharing this story in a church in Townsville in Queensland. And I know now that my father and one of my brothers was in the congregation as I shared the story. They wouldn't have known who I was, but they're in the meeting. And even crazier, there's a lady that runs Queensland Women for Australian Christian Churches. And I mentioned my father's name. She pulls out a phone and goes, is this your father? I said, yes. She said, Jenna was brought up next door. And we shared Jesus with the entire family. All that time. God heard my prayer. 